Hello and welcome to the RadioTimes.com Doctor Who podcast. My name's Hugh Fullerton and this week I am not joined by one of my regular co-hosts, uh, Morgan, Helen and the like. Instead, I'm chatting to some real record breakers in the form of Big Finish chairman Jason Hay Gallery and Big Finish creative director Nicholas Briggs. Uh, hello to you both. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Lovely to be here. Do your hosts, your co-hosts not want to meet us? As... No, I mean, they're very, very shy and retiring types. You know, they, <laughs> they, they couldn't possibly in the face of two Guinness World Record holders. I mean, honestly, they were starstruck. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's very, it's very personal to me because my first time on stage was actually tap dancing with Roy Castle. <gasps> five. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and he was um, he was doing something with my dad, some business with my dad, and um, he was touring a record breakers show around uh, theatres at the time. This is like 1973, something like that. And I got up on stage. My dad said, "Go on, up you go." So I went on stage, and he taught me to tap dance. Brilliant. Were you it's all were come you fantastic full circle. at it? Were you really good at it? Uh, no, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> if this were a video podcast, you could maybe give us an example. Uh, for those for those listening at home, Jason just did an incredible quick number. Uh, that, honestly, the likes of which you've never seen. Um, but for anyone listening who might not know uh, why I'm calling uh, Nick and Jason record breakers, uh, was because Big Finish, uh, the Doctor Who audio drama extraordinaire uh, company, has, launched, has uh, landed a Guinness World Record for the longest running science fiction audio play series after releasing a brand new Doctor Who monthly adventure for 275 consecutive months. Uh, so Big Finish released its first Doctor Who story in the range all the way back in July 1999. Uh, and mm -hmm. they've delivered a new adventure every month since, featuring storylines for the 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th Doctors. Uh, and the 275th story, The End of the Beginning, marks the final release in the main range, with Big Finish set to alter their strategy going forward by releasing regular box sets for each Doctor throughout the year instead. Um, so that was the, the pre-written spiel, which I got from uh, our own website. Uh, you nice, can tell by how it's na very naturally <laughs> delivered. Um, <laughs> But I've got to ask, you know, guys, how does it feel? I mean, we kind of heard from Jason, it's quite personal, but for both of you, how does it feel to be awarded this Guinness World Record? Well, it's lovely. Everyone knows the name Guinness, you know, Guinness World Record. I mean, it's also the name of next door's cat, but that's even more personal to me. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, she's not here at the moment. She usually pops into my shed to visit. Um, it's great, really. I mean, we... It, it really helps with that sort of sense of achievement and the fact that, you know, we've been around so long uh, that we've broken a record. I mean, it's we. It feels like we're breaking records all the time, frankly, with the amount of work we're doing and 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 the fantastic people we've worked with. And I think you know it's testament, isn't it, Jason, to all mm. the to everyone who was there in the first place and helped this to get. Yes, going. I mean, I, I look back and it was it was so small. The ambition was so small when we started. Uh, we signed a three-year license. The intention was to do six productions a year. And we really felt that if we got to 18 productions, we would have made our mark and we would have added something to Doctor Who. And that would have, we would have been more than happy with that at the time. Um, and uh, to look back now and realize we did 275, which is quite a lot more than 18, <laughs> um, is, is amazing. And it's it's it, obviously 
we have to pay tribute to those who were there at the beginning, like Gary Russell and John Ainsworth, and obviously Nick was there, and people like Mark Gatiss helped us to get going, and, and Stephen Cole at the BBC was, was um, very, very supportive uh, at the time. And we wouldn't have been able to start if we hadn't have had the tremendous support from, you know, Peter Davison, Sylvester McCoy and Colin to start with, and then obviously subsequently uh, Paul and Tom. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's amazing to look back. And in some respects, it still feels like we only started yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's, it, it is a labor of love. And the time has gone so quickly because of that. And also that, you know, the huge learning curve that all, everyone's gone through, and particularly the creatives, you know, uh, just, uh, developing skills along the way you know learning so much about sound and editing and sound design and what you what you can create you know and always pushing back the boundaries and also just from a personal point of view just thinking back to those early days uh, when we had using a little studio in Fulham which I expect you remember Jason I remember we yes. all used to decant to a, a place around the corner for lunch and I remember you know the first few I directed I'd be sitting there and you know, as Jason knows now, lunch is very important to me. I'm very grumpy yes. about lunch. Um, uh, but well, I we're well renowned there. for our lunches. Well, yeah, but I would sit there and not eat. And I remember people saying, "Why, why can't, why aren't you eating?" And I'd say, "I just can't because I, because the sense of nerves and occasion, you know what I mean, the pressure. Yeah. I just actually couldn't eat. And it, it took, I don't know, about six months for me to get over that. Um, but yeah, and I think. I find it inconceivable now that I was that nervous about it. You, you just reminded me of something actually, which was that um, there was a concern on that those first after those first couple of days of recording that the for whatever reason the doctors didn't realise that this was a continuing thing. Something some one of them said. Gary came to me and said, "I don't think they realise that we're going to continue. They think this is it. Times <laughs> of time is it." And, and I was like, no, surely they understand. And they like, Gary's like, I don't think they do. So um, <laughs> I don't know if we talked to you about that, Nick, but Gary and no, I- No, I didn't um, know this. Gary, we only <laughs> found out about this horrible, like, catas what? catastrophe in the making now. So <laughs> Gary uh, said, you, you need to talk to them. So I remember taking the three of them, who obviously were heroes of mine growing yeah. up, these actors, and uh, taking them into a corner and say, just so you know, this is gonna be continuing. And um, I'm not going to say which one it was, but one of them said, so we get paid? I'm going to say, of course you get paid, you know, so yeah, we're continuing. <laughs> no, no, we're only paying you for the first one, the rest yeah, of them yeah, are free. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it, that person was doing it for comic effects. Yes. Because yeah. he knew, I was going to say yes, and he knew it was going to come, and we're continuing. So, uh, wow. so yes, it's, uh, what's great is that the, um, uh, you know, the, the thing about being the doctor, I don't know, I've never been the doctor, obviously, but the thing about being the doctor is it's something that's very, very difficult to give up. Colin's talked about this. And um, it's it's something which, uh, it's one of the most amazing parts to play. It, you know, you've got James Bond, you've got Batman, and you've got Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes. Those are the four big ones, really. Iconic parts that people love to play. And, um, 
it's it's uh, it's it's amazing that all of these actors want to come back. You know, recently we've got Chris Eccleston to come back, of course, and yeah. play the part. And as Nick will will tell you, that he's been absolutely fantastic. Oh, I, I swore I wasn't going to do that. I swore that was natural. I didn't do that on purpose. I swear to God. And um, I, do you know what? I've given quite a few interviews recently, and I've managed not to do that. It's such a cliche. And I've, so this I'm, is kind oh, of an exclusive for the radio radiotimes.com <laughs> podcast exclusive. So, we lo we lulled you into a false sense of security. You did you, with your with your very very um, lovely demeanour. It's, it's lulled me. <laughs> false sense of the fantastic. There this you is, go. Uh, yeah, this is Hughes' technique. You know. But, oh, you know yeah. Sorry, Jim, sorry, Nick. I was going to say one one thing is that. Uh, it occurs to me that the doctors, those doctors who we started with, were much younger then than I am now. Ah, that's terrifying, isn't it? Mm. I remember several years in, uh, someone noting that Peter Davison was the age that William Hartnell was when he started, which was 55. And of course, you know, I'm much older than that now as well. So it is, uh, it, yeah, it's quite breathtaking to look back. Uh, it, it's lovely in many ways, but also it's kind of quite um, gives me a sense of sort of age vertigo. <laughs> I mean, I guess as well, because, you know, we could be looking back at Big Finish's record breaking one episode, Sirens of Time, after which <laughs> the uh, the three doctors were like, no, 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 we just did the one. Um, but yeah. one, but, but more seriously, obviously, Sirens of Time was the first one you guys released uh, yeah. beyond the kind of the kind of um, unofficial audios where I think Nick yeah. played the doctor for a few years. Um, well, it was a character called the Wanderer, I think. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Only if, if any lawyers are listening in, it was a character called the Wanderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you guys have said you didn't necessarily see Big Finish last as long as it has. But can you imagine specifically that those three Pete guys would have had such a great time working on these that they'd still be doing them twenty-two years later? Yeah, I think I think that refers back to I didn't really finish what I was saying about being such an iconic role. It's a part that you never want to leave. Mm. And the advantage of audio is that um, you can grow older and still play the same part. Um, a, a great example of that is Tom Baker, obviously, mm. who's who's now uh, I want to say he's eighty or Tom is he eighty six or eighty seven? One of the two. One of the two. Uh, and yet he's still sounding as sprightly as when he was in his 40s. And um, Hugh's looking it up now. I, am, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to do it and then I heard your typing going on. Uh, he's 87, <laughs> apparently. 87. I emailed him and congratulated him, so I should have remembered. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, you know, it's a part that you will love for the rest of your life. And you get that. There's There's moments when you're talking to the actors and you can see the, the, the doctorishness within them, if you see what I mean, and, and what they brought to the show. And um, it's fantastic that they've, they've all continued to want to come back and play the part. And uh, it's, you know, it's a delight to work with all of them. I think they I guess, do it for the fans so. as well, you know? I think, that, oh, yeah. I think a key thing for a doctor to come on board with Big Finish is when they really do, in some form or another, feel part of the family in terms of the fan family. I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that Christopher Eccleston's come on board after he decided to do conventions. 
you know, and then he he met people and I wasn't at you, Jason, were at that Gallifrey convention in L.A. last year. And it, it was very clear from what I heard and from what you told me that, you know, he he embraced it all very much. And I think that when that moment comes and they're not mm. just sort of looking askance at it, they're actually kind of, you know, and that's when they they're prepared to continue with the part. And and Colin, Sylvester and, and Peter were already doing that at the time because we knew them all from conventions. Yes. And I've got to say, thanks to Sean Ryan at um, the Gallifrey Convention, who runs Gallifrey, mm. um, who arranged for me to talk to Chris. Um, and I, I got him at the right time. You know, he'd just come off stage and he was pumped up. And, and obviously, he was open to the idea, whereas previously he hadn't been. Obviously, we had asked before. Mm. Um, and uh, we continue to ask doctors. I mean... Just stop uh, we, right there, Jason. <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we continue to ask. But we will, you know, the, uh, it's fantastic. I'm just about to do it again. It's great. <laughs> it's great that we got Chris back. But I'm sure a lot of that is down to the fact that he saw that um, the fans really loved him and wanted their doctor back. For, so for a lot of New Who fans, of course, Chris Eccleston was their doctor at the beginning. Mm. And it's their introduction. I mean, my, my first doctor that I remember is uh, John Pertwee. Um, and it's, it's always, um, I talked to both Katie Manning and also Elizabeth Sladen about this as well. And both of them just ad hoc have said, um, had said to me, if John was still alive, he absolutely would have done Big Finish. Mm -hmm. he, he would have been here. You wouldn't have been able to stop him, basically. Um, so it's, it's sad that we never got to, we missed him by a couple of years. That's so sad to us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Where so many of these doctors have now, you know, been playing the doctor on Big Finish in audio form for longer than they played, you know, him yeah. on the series. I mean, I think all yeah, of yeah. them have now. I don't think yes. there's, I don't think there's any doctor who does it who hasn't played it for well, longer on Big Finish. Except I think maybe, if you take maybe David Tennant. A percentage of time on screen, I think Paul McGann's probably winning. In yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> although, although you never know. Like you know, Christopher Eccleston's only a he's oh, he's got 13 episodes versus one movie but i feel like it's a similar thing where like that's a doctor especially where you know maybe you didn't see as much as him of him as you would have liked and big finish kind of can pick up where that leaves off and kind of you know give fans that wealth of backstory material that they maybe felt like they were missing well with with chris i mean originally i offered him three because i didn't want to scare him off and yeah, yeah. there was a lot of con there was a lot of discussion back with him. Three episodes, you mean? Yeah. Three episodes, yes. Um, you know, just just to get him on board, like we did with David. David does three episodes in the box set, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I didn't want to scare him off, as I say. And uh, you know, the, the the what came back was, if I'm doing this, I'm doing a series, if you see, mm -hmm. which meant twelve episodes, um, and. Uh, it soon became very obvious that the best thing to do was was to offer him those 12 episodes so that he could really stretch within the role and, and do a lot of the stuff he really wanted to do. I mean, that seems to be the enduring story of Big Finish is, oh, we'll just try and do this one thing. And then it turns into, OK, we'll do this couple of things. And it turns into, OK, it's it's 22 years later. <laughs> we've got 275 episodes. Um, <laughs> we've got a Guinness World Record. I mean, I have to ask, incidentally, with the 275 number, I mean, what made you decide to kind of stop there specifically? Why not 280? Why not 300? Well, we were looking at a way of 
uh, one of my bugbears for many years, really since I came in as executive producer, that I, and it became more and more evident as the years passed, was that it was quite difficult for people to get into Big Finish because the mm. structure of it for uh, the listeners, the potential customers, is quite illogical. We had this main stroke monthly range, which involved a number of doctors, and then we started, We, as you say, we add on other things, and it became a little higgledy-piggledy. So uh, to someone looking at it from the outside, it was quite unfathomable. So I've been keen for years for us to split it into different doctor ranges, because it kind of it's all locked inside that monthly range and it sort of opens it up like a flower so you can see everything inside so doctor who fans can come to big finish and say oh yeah there's that and there's that and that rather than what is a monthly range because they're all monthly because they all come out you know every month when they're running so it was the clarification thing so then it was really a logistical process i, I think you'd agree jason of just working out when the earliest most convenient place to do it was well, and 275 seemed like you know um, well i mean it's actually my it's actually my um lucky number <laughs> <laughs> that's handy that's not it's not, that's not. <laughs> um I no that five, moment, funny enough it seemed like a round number obviously a more round number is 300 mm. but that would have been another two and a half years uh two years so, yeah, yeah that could so be a, it could be an it, issue it, there had to come a point where we needed to reset and actually start doing individual box sets the other thing as well was the box sets were doing more were more successful than the individual small two disc releases people preferred box sets and if you look at you know what's happening on netflix what people were doing buying box sets you know a few years ago star trek and whatever people think in box sets more mm. and it's it's not you know it's not a surprise that uh, compact easy to view box sets of what are successful on netflix for example most series on Netflix are eight to ten episodes. It's because you can watch them over a few nights and enjoy it, and it's not a labour to get through, if you see what I mean. And um, I think we we follow a very similar model in that respect. Yeah. And the and most obvious thing to do, if you're doing almost all of Doctor Who, is to split it up by Doctor. Yeah. You know, and we were split up by Doctor, except for one range, which was three and sometimes four Doctors. So there was an innate illogicality and that creates a barrier to anyone new. You know, when we had new members of staff come in, they'd say, I can't fathom how to get hold of this. There's a the difference. The people who've been with us right from the beginning, who we love and are really grateful to, it's obvious to them. And mm. I know that some of them have, have said, oh, don't change it because who likes change? None of us do really. We like to be settled in our ways. But, you know, we're just making it possible for other people to find it easier to come on board. I think also from a character development point of view, having more discs within a box set, because we were, we were keeping very standard. When we launched, it was it was before the new series came along. So yeah, obviously we were doing four part stories in 25 minute chunks. So two on each disc on a double disc. It just happened like that because it was the logical thing to do because that's how Doctor Who was being made up to that point. Um, whereas now, you know, the, the hour long stories and, um, and, and effectively seasons of box sets, um, it's sort of like Paul McGann, I think has massively, uh, his Doctor, the Eighth Doctor, has massively benefited from having a series of box sets like Dark Eyes um, and uh, like Stranded at the moment 
which develop a narrative thread but have individual stories within there. And it was something we wanted to bring to the other doctors. I mean, we will be uh, maintaining the traditional episode lengths for the different eras, by the yeah. way, but that doesn't mean we're doing hour long episodes of, you know, the first doctor, second doctor, whatever, you know, they'll have their sort of nominally 25 minute stroke half hour episodes. Yeah. I mean, you've mentioned there, uh, Jason, that, you know, when this all started 22 years ago, uh, yeah. you, it was the quote unquote wilderness years when Doctor Who wasn't on TV. Yeah. Um, and obviously things have changed so much since then. I mean, when the kind of reboot was mooted, um, Nick, you're obviously fairly involved uh, as voice of various monsters and Daleks. I mean, were you guys concerned? You know, were you kind of thinking, oh no, the BBC gonna let us keep doing this? We were off in the corner, not bothering anybody. And all of a sudden it's this huge, you know, it's this huge money spinner. Are we gonna get in trouble? Well, it's well no, documented, it's isn't it? You know. Mm. Sorry, Nick, go ahead. I was gonna say it's well documented. You know, Russell has gone on record as saying that he, uh, he says, I, I'm not saying that I saved Big Finish, but I but I saved Big Finish <laughs> because I think Mal Young sort of pulled back the carpet, saw Big Finish and said, what's this? And Russell said, don't worry, it's all fine, you know, and, you know, we love him for that. And he, he did really good by us there. Um, but, yeah, I suppose there was that bit of a worry. And also, I think it's fair to say, Jason, isn't it, that the mm. Doctor Who fans kind of sort of went, oh, it's Doctor Who. And and left us alone oh, for a while yeah our um for a period of time i had to budget on the basis that when doctor who was on television our our um sales dropped quite significantly so we'd have to cash flow that period of time and um so uh, it was actually i was very grateful when uh, matt smith had uh, two six uh, part seasons one year because there was a nice break in the middle and it meant that it wasn't too bad. But for a period of time, the um, Doctor Who being on television meant that people were immediately, it meant that people immediately switched their attention to the TV show and talked about that. Understandably, completely understandably. And we sort of got slightly forgotten until probably about three, four weeks after the... Um, the series finished and they'd suddenly go oh there's no new doctor who hang on a minute they i remember finished. something to do with yeah. that <laughs> and then they they go to the website and go oh that sounds good i haven't got that i haven't got that i haven't got that and they catch up at that point so yeah there was a there was a cash flow issue with the success of the series absolutely because they um because people loved the tv show so much understandably i mean it's it, we've been so lucky to have the show back with us for so long. Um, um, and the, you know, we, we continued because we love doing the audio productions. And I think we adapted a little bit because if you look at, for example, the Paul McGann stories are quite influenced by what, um, what uh, Russell was doing. So when we got, um, when BBC Seven, uh, four extra as it is now, uh, and um, Mary Cullen-Carrion decided that she wanted her own uh, Doctor Who series on there and, and said we, she would buy in from Big Finish Productions. Um, it was very exciting for us because we got a chance to um, take the best of the classic series and the best of the new series as well and sort of meld them together in Paul McGann. 
Uh, and obviously she wanted a new companion and we were very, very lucky that, um, that uh, we got Sheridan Smith to yeah. say before she was the big massive star that she is today. But even so, I mean, uh, Nick, one, Nick, Nick occasionally makes perceptive comments. <laughs> and, um, who, he, knew? who knew? Who knew? Who knew? And one of his most perceptive comments, which stuck with me immediately, is that we were talking about Sheridan, I think during the second or third season of working with Paul McGann and Sheridan. And, um, and uh, Nick said, you know, at some point, everyone else is going to figure out how brilliant she is, and then we're in trouble. And that's exactly what happened. And she got that breakthrough with um, Legally Blonde and every casting director on, in the country came to see it and went, oh my God, she's amazing. And then suddenly she was being offered everything and it became almost impossible to book her. Um, and now we're in this lovely position where, um, you know, recently she came back and did another box set with Paul. And that was something she was wanting, she'd wanted to do for a very long time. Mm. Uh, but we, we managed to get times where it all worked for everybody. And it was wonderful because that box set was ready for some time. It was a question of when is everyone available? Because Paul also obviously does a huge amount of work as well. Um, so he's trying to get them both in the same place at the same time. Um, but I'm so glad that's one of uh, one of my favorite box sets of the last few years, um, getting uh, the further adventures of Lucy Miller together. But anyway, I mean, what about this Guinness Book of Records, eh? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because I had a question about how the new series has impacted it. I mean, obviously you guys, in more recent years, I think from 2015, you've been able to do, you know, the kind of reboot era Doctor Who stories as well. And we've seen, you know, yes. River Song on there. We've seen Torchwood, obviously yeah. 10th Doctor Adventures, now the 9th Doctor Adventures. I mean, was that a bit of a pinch yourself moment? I mean, that was something you definitely couldn't have seen coming when this whole thing started. Well, I mean, we couldn't, I mean, I must admit, after the 1996 film didn't quite work out in the way that everyone hoped it would, I think there was a chance that Doctor Who, in my mind, Doctor Who might have been dead. Mm. And things like, you know, um, BBC, uh, BBC Eyes, um, Scream of the Schalke, and uh, the, the stuff that we doing we did could have been it, if you see what I mean. But obviously, I I not taking into account the the love that people like Russell had for the series and how significant Russell was um, as a player within the television industry. And um, it's um, so there was a time when it could have it could have become a niche thing that fans loved, but it could have slipped away from the general population. So I was so excited when uh, I watched the first episode, when I watched Rose, um, because it was Doctor Who coming back. And um, the idea that we would, at that time, we knew that we weren't gonna be able to do the audio series based on what Russell was doing. Um, and it was inverted commas, new Who. Mm. Um, and it, um, I didn't, I mean, occasionally I would sort of nudge and say any chance we could start playing in that sandpit yet. But, and it was always like, no, not quite, not quite. And then eventually it was like, yeah, all right. It was like, great. I think, uh, you know, it becomes such a, you know, the series had become so established that it became 
you know, uh, it became like, you should be doing this. Mm. It was almost like they're going, why aren't you doing it? It's because, you know, we haven't been allowed to so far. Oh, yeah, you can do that. So, um, which was great. And obviously, there were so many fantastic um, creations that uh, from the new series. Um, I've, I've actually just been listening to uh, The Lone Centurion, which is Arthur Darville. Mm. Um, as as Rory um, during that period of time when he was stuck uh, on Earth, uh, and it's very funny, and it's it's also very good as well. If you it's it's a bit Thor Ragnarok. That's the only way I could really describe it, but it's um, it's it's great fun, and the idea that we can we can create things like that, and obviously River Song's been phenomenally successful because Alex Kingston's so brilliant. Um, and, and and stuff like that. It's it, it is amazing, and obviously, um, David Tennant wanted to come back, but um, it, he needed a bit of a time away from the part before he came back. And I think that's general for all actors who play the Doctor. They need a period of time away from it before they come back. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, it has been a bit of a roller coaster over the last few years because we've been able to play in two sandpits. How's mm. that for an analogy? <laughs> I mean, I have to ask, you kind of touched on this earlier on, but you've got pretty much all the doctors featured up till David Tennant. There are a couple of others whose eras yeah. you've played around with, uh, Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi. I mean, have you made overtures to those two individuals? I mean, you've got Chris on board. It kind of feels like nothing's off limits these days. Well, you know, uh, we would love to have Peter and, and obviously Matt come and join us. And um, we shall see what the future holds. Very diplomatic. Um, I should ask as well, um, I think because we're sort of coming towards the end of our time, um, I should ask, generally speaking, um, what do you think the future of Big Finish is? I and mean, we've talked a lot about the past. We've talked hmm. uh, about all, all the sort of, uh, we very briefly touched on the wide varied history of Big Finish, but you've expanded well beyond Doctor Who. You've got other revivals, like things like Callan. Uh, you know, you've got your own originals, loads of Who spin-offs, things from Torchwood, all that stuff. This sort of slight restructure. I mean, what's next? What's the kind of, what's the kind of big picture for Big Finish? Nick, would you like to... <laughs> Well, I mean, in terms of Doctor Who, uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, and I am developing now, uh, the new Doctor Who ranges, the new separate Doctor ranges, and uh, and also a bit of cross-pollination between two of them. There's a bit of a hint between all of them. I mean, there's a bit of a hint there. Um, but um, I, I always want us to, I'm the eternal optimist. I mean, it never, never occurred to me that we'd only be doing it for three years back in the day. Um, I kind of thought this is in my life now and I love it and I want it always to be in my life. And I was just gonna, you know, and I did other work at the time, but I was, you know, doing a lot of directing and sound designing and composing and writing for Big Finish. And um, then, you know, the opportunity came up for me to take more of a central role and ever since then,
you know, and I took that on in 2006. That's a long time ago. And I'm not looking to it ending at, at any mm. point. And my goal is always to find new and interesting and exciting things to do. You know, like we did The Prisoner and Space 1999. You know, we're still doing Space 1999 and there are other things in that vein to come along. And as Jason knows, I'm always pushing to find other things we can do and expand our shop front, as it were, to, to speak to... Um, a larger audience because I think you know without sounding too bumptious uh, we all the creatives and all the people at Big Finish have got huge expertise in this field and I think we offer great stuff for people I think we're great storytellers and I think we're great entertainers and when you feel like that about yourselves and it's constantly proven by audience reaction and awards and things I think it is you what owe yeah, and Guinness World Records, indeed. Thank you for tying that in. Um, it's, it's my scriptwriter there, Hugh. Uh, you know, I think I think you owe it to yourselves as a company and creatives, and to your audience, to keep going and to keep expanding and to bring more and more entertainment and enjoyment to people. And that's certainly my aim. And also, there's uh, we love doing it, mm. and we we want to keep doing it, and we want to find new things to do, and. In terms of specific things, you know, there is a lot of new ideas always boiling along. I, I explained to someone recently, actually, that we have a, a production schedule and the production schedule at the moment goes up to 2028. And at the top of it is things that are not scheduled yet. Mm. And there's things that have been there for some time and things that eventually we talk about and we go, do you know, what? we're not going to do it. And there is always something new to do. There was, uh, there was, there was a time when, you know, uh, we, we, I think there was a time when we were worried that we wouldn't have the stories to tell. And now I worry that we won't have enough time to tell all the stories that we had to tell in it. Does that make sense? That Probably makes perfect not. sense. Does it? <laughs> There is so many stories to tell. Brilliant. And that is a very big finishy line to end on. Thank you to both my guests, uh, Nick and Jason, the record breakers. Uh, we'll see you back here in another 22 years uh, for another one, I'm sure. Uh, we've got loads of information about Big Finish on radiotimes.com, including loads of details about the newest and upcoming projects. Uh, and we'll continue to do that, hopefully for you know the rest of time and space, if that makes sense. Um, hey. Thanks again, Nick and Jason, for joining me. Pleasure. Pleasure. Um, and yeah, to those listening at home, join us next week for another edition of the RadioTimes.com Doctor Who podcast. Thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye.